Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. Conscious, Nigel, not everybody here might know some of our background. Um, So this is the type of thing Nigel and I were involved in. In 25 years of corporate life, we used to run businesses around the world, and those businesses' core operations would be design, build, finance, and operate power stations, data centers, highly resilient infrastructure, to a point where the lights simply cannot go out. If you think uh, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Deutsche Bank, Bank of America, uh, Visa, MasterCard, the lights can never go off in those businesses. Um, you know, that'll be front page news. Um, so, you know, we're engineers by background, um, but we work relentlessly in that corporate environment as, as directors running businesses. Uh, about 1.5 to 2 billion US dollars of infrastructure over a couple of decades in 33 odd countries. So that was our that was our corporate uh, careers, Nigel. It gave us good grounding in the business acumen, but also in team leadership, leading teams of hundreds, if not thousands. Very much so. It's actually where we we met, wasn't it, Mark? In um, about ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, mm-hmm. Seems a long time ago. One uh, of one of the longest joint ventures I think uh, known to man, isn't it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's it, it was where we met. Um, you know, we both had a we both have an engineering background. Um, yeah, from the construction industry, etc. And uh, moved into what is infrastructure, um, fiber optic, and telecoms, and um, and data. Um, which kind of took us far, far and wide, but into an environment that lived and breathed detail. Uh, the devil was in the detail, and that's where you had to find the, you know, the weak link and resolve it um, before anything was implemented. And this, this was why Mark mentioned, you know, there was there was no tolerance for outage at all um, in this environment, and um, everything was, you know, resilient and it had backup, and the backup had backup. <laughs> And it was it was that those sort of projects, but um, but also very time critical as well, weren't they? Um, so it was delivering in a, to a particular milestone, uh, which was very key, but in a very very safe, um, you know, secure and uh, you know well well thought out route really to get to that outcome. And um, yeah, thoroughly enjoy those times. Health and safety regulation and compliance were were, were everything in a very fast moving environment. And in fact, bottom left hand uh, corner, Pan European Network, yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Nigel, that was that's the year it. we first started mentoring. It was. Um, it was. So that's twenty four years we've been mentoring people now. Mm. Long time. Really enjoy that. Um, so, yes, summary there. We've done about three and a half million square feet of commercial property in 33-odd countries, four continents. We've been involved in business startup, mergers, acquisitions, sale, transformation, business turnaround and transformation. And, of course, we've been business leaders um, leading very substantial teams. That also meant that we had to deal with quite a lot of unsavoury issues, you know, corporate firefighting, um, as corporate troubleshooters, which again took us around the world, being parachuted in to solve all kinds of, uh, of corporate issues. And uh, 
And part of business leadership is leading from the front, growing teams, mentoring them, being non-exec directors. So we've been doing that for 20 plus years as well. Love that. And you use, you'll hear us use that, uh, those words, high performance culture. Um, that's what we want, assured outcomes. And look, we've made as many mistakes as, as other people, but we've, you know, we've, we've built our careers and businesses on the shoulders of giants, had that business acumen and intelligence to bring great teams together. And that's why we've been able to scale carefully the organizations that we have um, by you know, understanding risk, having the right team to identify risk and, and manage risk. Give you an idea where we're recently qualified to to pass comment on some of these areas. Um, in terms of the assets that we're involved in, we've um, we've written five books and we've got the EQUIDA, which I believe is version sixty one. Nigel, now sixty one going on to sixty two. So there's been a bit of uh, a bit of legislation change out there, and uh, which has all been incorporated into version sixty two. So we're we're just on test at the moment, but. All being well, that will be launched in the next couple of weeks to to our mentorship group, um, which will be great. So it just brings in constant learning from everything we do, you know, not only for the, the past six or seven years in development, but going back, as Mark said, you know, the last 20 years in business. It all comes into that IDA. That's our our initial focus when we look at a new opportunity is, and it, all it is essentially, is asking lots of questions. Is this relevant? Is it not relevant? Is it, you know, and these sorts of things. And and just to ask the question and it to become the answer is, this is not applicable. The fact it's asked the question is the important thing. And you've considered it and you've said it's not applicable, opposed to missing things and missing things here or there and, you know, getting it slightly wrong on GDV, getting it slightly wrong on costs can be absolutely catastrophic for for deals and opportunities going forward. So this is, the, our idea is a way that we can have that, you know, that uh, mathematical checklist, if you like, to to get us as close as possible to, um, anticipating the outcome, which is uh, which is where we need to be. Awesome. And then we invest in businesses. We've got six strategic investments in various uh, businesses. That's outside of our uh, development and property businesses. Um, lots of commercial to residential conversions. You probably know us from, from that. Um, we've acquired a lot of commercial units and retain an awful lot of those as well. We've got lots of HMOs. Um, and we've also got a lot of single lets, a lot of buy-to-lets. Um, we do buy buy-to-lets, but we create a lot of buy-to-lets through commercial to residential and land new build developments. That categorizes us probably into six core areas, I'd say, Nigel. You know, first of all, we're investors, we're business owners and shareholders, we're SaaS trustees, we're developers, we're mentors, and we're dads. We've got four kids each and uh I think it's fair to say family's everything to us absolutely and i don't think the list is necessarily a hierarchy is it i think you know i think they're all probably in equal equal measure all of those all of those points and uh yeah family is massively important this is kind of what we do it for um you know we've got family members in our business haven't we or our businesses yeah you know, various things and um it's the way that you know, we've found, uh, as we've consulted with each other over the years as dads, we've we found it's it's always been a great way of 
educating our, our children into into what we passionately believe in uh, in you know in the wealth creation space and property etc and businesses by kind of passively educating them you know we we've tried the and i'm sure everybody a lot of people out there have done the same you know sit them down at the breakfast table with a piece of paper and a pen and try to teach them and it kind of doesn't go too well i don't know whether it's just our style of teaching but it doesn't go too well because it's almost being force fed whereas if you get you know your, your children around you that are feeding off you know and you'll see some some of our kids at the events you know the networking event um you know they're 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 immersed in to it and and the key i think the key bit for me mark is when they when they ask the questions oh oh dad what what about this how, how does that work and you know you've got it you've got them you know you haven't force fed them they've been intrigued uh, they're starting to ask questions and starting to immerse themselves into into what is you know ultimately our legacy isn't it yeah and i i meet a lot of investors and frequently we don't talk about investment, um, even if it's the first conversation or maybe even the second coffee I'm having with, with somebody. But what we will be talking about is the challenges of being parents, bringing children up, you know, creating that legacy, but more importantly, creating the custodianship of the legacy. We might talk about tax efficiency as well and SaaS and, you know, those kind of things. So this is all really relevant stuff to raising private capital and relating to and creating forming those relationships and that bond of trust uh, with with investors and um, just give you an idea on how with our experience um, we help people we can, we've continued to mentor people um, so we do a developers program um, that's a seven-week developers program. We have a mastermind. We'll have a chat about that a little bit later on. And we also provide one-to-one mentorship um, where Nigel and I personally mentor uh, a number of people. So as uh, you find all that uh, detail on equiacademy.co.uk. So we said about being transparent on risk, and uh, there's no... No um, greater example of, of, of risk than at Bahrain um, when Roman Grosjean went through the barrier and his Haas uh, cockpit just separated. Absolutely unbelievable, chill down your spine moment. Um, but we've been involved in assessing risk at, at small levels, high levels in uh, in our in our careers and uh, business experience. And what we do know is. You must be transparent with risk with your investors. I mean, there are various stages in managing risk. You need to, hey, have the competence within or around you to identify what those risks are, to mitigate the risks. So have an action plan against those risks. Um, The risks that you can't mitigate, can you transfer those risks, bring in other parties who are better able to manage those risks? Can you hear that kind of humility word in the background? We're not here to do it ourselves. On developments in particular, banks do not trust us to do everything. Mm. They just don't. You know, they want to see us having that acumen and intelligence to, to, to lead a team. You know, we've got one of our developments at the moment, and there's 2,000 years of experience on that development. It's a big development. But that's adding up all the experience, career experience, all the professionals on that team. Absolutely incredible. Um, And then what you can't mitigate, transfer, 
you have to manage. So having a, an action plan. Now, all those elements there, I'll be having a conversation with maybe somebody who's interested in investment and we've been through some of the compliance checks and they're asking me um, maybe the next steps. And I, I might very delicately and subtly say, you know, I was having a conversation with an investor the other day and they asked me some intriguing questions about, you know, what are the risks to a development? What are the th- what can go wrong? And I want to be having that conversation. So if they haven't asked me the tough questions, I'll I'll interject and find a diplomatic way of saying maybe you should ask me these questions. Um, because I want them to understand with eyes wide open what they're letting themselves in for, you know, the the wonderful experience and the returns, but also the potential risks as well. Now, you could talk about risks on a development, but also talking about how you're bringing your experience and that risk assurance framework to help manage those risks, to help mitigate, transfer and manage. So you're not just saying this is this is a potential problem, you know, GDV can fluctuate or costs can increase or program go out. You know, some of the core um, uh, areas that you'll have on your, your risk um, matrix, risk uh, schedule, but you can also explain how you're addressing those. So it leads to a very positive conversation. Absolutely. So discuss, discuss it, be open. Very, very much so. And, and it starts right at the beginning, Mark, doesn't it, this one? Um, you know, when you're when you're engaging with your professional team, you know, you you, you create a what well, they term a risk register and it's it's a collective um list of all potentials that you, you and your team, you know, your professional team consider are on the project. And really the objectives are to as Mark said, to one, identify them, to mitigate them if you can, and that could be done through design, through, you know, technique of contract, um, maybe, you know, the exit, all these sorts of things, and, and try and transfer, mitigate. But if you you probably will end up with some residual risks in there, and, and that's where you need to manage them. But to have your professional team, eyes wide open, contributing to this process, all the way through, let's say, detailed design into into the tendering and transferring that, you know, the mitigations and the approach into the contractors and asking the right sort of questions of the contractors when you take them to interview and these sort, you know, how are you going to deal with this? Please explain. You know, how have you considered that? Please explain. And it's the way that you you start with a very, very long list potentially of risks right at the outset and what we're doing, we're closing that list down to maybe a handful of, you know, maybe there's five to 10 final risks, but they're all being managed, all being managed all the way through. They do be done on site, be done through monthly meetings, all these sorts of aspects all the way through. But the, the point of the, 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 the point I'm trying to make here is you're mitigating as you go through to what was a long list down to a small list. And, and this is how we, we, we process all the way through to, to get a desired outcome ultimately. And the, the investors, generally investors don't want to invest once. They want to see that you've got plans for a second, a third opportunity. If they're putting all that time and effort in to get to know you and maybe start small and uh, and invest with you and see if it feels right and you do what you say you're going to do. Um, so evolution here. So you take those risks and make the second development 
better than the first and the third will be better than the second. You know, we've seen the crash here. I mean, Grosjean wouldn't have walked out of there if the halo wasn't uh, installed in his cockpit. That was a evolution of risks that uh, came to bear um, over you know pre seasons, and and so and so we progress and become better. So risk, be transparent with risks. Here's another development. Uh, this is a land new build development of nine new houses in Surrey. Um, again, this one was a fixed interest, uh, about four and a half million GDV. So bringing private capital in in various structures, um, land, commercial to residential, business investments as well. Um, Nigel and I, we, we've invested in a, a business that um, does virtual reality software as well. So we're quite diverse um, in, in some of our um, uh, investments here. So let's have a look at some seven steps to investability. Now, there aren't simple steps here. This would be a bit of a roadmap here. And we've got breakdowns to each one of these um, where we've got guidance notes, documents, templates, which helps support this framework and really does help to galvanise people into creating that, that assured outcome and, and a responsible, engaging and compliant way of working with private investors. And it also works for engaging with other counterparties as well, with, with banks um, and other relationships, which are incredibly helpful. So first step, you need to build an identity. What is your strategy? What are you doing? What is that identity? You know, your brand, your logo, all these elements there, but it, it starts with the heart. What are you trying to achieve? You've got to know your identity yourself before you can then start to ever think of communicating that. Then increasing your profile. Now, you don't necessarily need a 1,000 a thousand people in, in your community. Um, we've got many thousands in, in our property developers and investors community. Um, but increase your profile. Depends what your strategy is. Your strategy might be doing one or two buy-to-lets every year. Well, you might need three or four investors, and that will be that will be fine, and that creates the scale that's meaningful to you. Absolutely fine. Some of our developments might need, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand uh, pounds of private investor funds. Some might need two or three million. Um, so there are different scales here. So it's creating the profile to create that scale of interest that serves your strategy. And some people go out the starting blocks wanting to create a huge amount and they actually look to the horizon and miss actually the relationships that are there in front of them, which would nobly serve them. So it's, it's about starting um, local, starting close, starting compliant. Creating that personal trust. There's, there's three core um, uh, steps really that... Um, the investor trust. First of all, do they, do they trust you? Does a potential investor trust you personally? Have you engaged? Do you say what you do? You come across well. They'll have done your research. Are you some ranting, raving lunatic who swears all the time? You know, on social media, highly opinionated, picking fights with people. Um, well, that's, that might appeal to some people, but it won't appeal to everybody. So um, it's creating that personal trust. I can't begin to tell you how many how many calls I'll get, which starts with, I've been following you for a while, Mark, and I wondered if we could have a coffee. 
Um, the largest investor you never had is the one that you never knew existed because if they don't like what they see, um, they'll never reach out and have that have that call. Really important. So it starts with personal trust. Then if you get through that personal trust acid test, then business credibility. Absolutely, some due diligence there on, on business credibility. And then finally into is it an attractive investment for the investors? And there's all the compliance checks here as well, but this is just in big handfuls here, these, uh, these steps. Um, then once an investment is invested in, then constant, frequent communication. And then does that pause for thought, that regroup at the end to scale and evolve? You would be scaling and evolving. The investor might take stock and decide, do they want to go again? Would they like to withdraw their funds um, or would they like to move on to the next development and continue investing? And that's how the wheel continues. There's an evolutionary process there. It's very rarely revolution, it's normally evolution. Let's also think about time, not just your time, but investors' time as well. If you're a developer, if you're an investor, think of the developer's time as, as well as your time. It works both ways. Yeah, there's Quite often, it's the largest scarcity for, for most people. That return on time employed, return on time um, invested, that's a key metrics for, for Nigel and I, and I'm sure it is for, for many of you. You know, how is that leverage created that alleviates time and also alleviates risk as well? Again, that's that humility of bringing people in who are, quite frankly, better at doing what they do than, than we are. And embed that, that, that time matrix in your strategy. Okay, we see this a lot, you know, being asked to investigate a lot of joint ventures that have fallen apart and quite often... It's because a mismatch of experience, roles, responsibilities, and time that people want to put in. Um, so that's a, always an interesting one. And, and this trade-off of time with your family as well. It's very easy to like leave the day job and end up creating another job which pulls you away from, from your family. Um, so I just want to point on time because if you're an investor – are you looking for, shall we say, hands-off investment? Not quite sure what that, what that means, but, um, you know, are you looking for a low return on time employed or a high return on time employed? Definitely put that on your list. Just as standing on the shoulders of giants, I mean, this is uh, from one of our, our corporate brochure, um, being well advised. Okay, we've done a lot of, you know, three and a half million square feet of real estate around the world. Um, but we need great teams, great teams, and we engage them frequently um, and multiple times as well. Sometimes we go out to tender. Sometimes we've got, you know, retained experience there from banking, tax, asset management, contract management, quantity surveying, finance, tax, all, all kinds of things. And you might want to we, – we use an earn and learn process. This is something you could start to, uh, to look at. Have you got something that is of interest to other people? Now you need to be careful how you do this. We do it in a responsible way through Equa Academy, where there are different returns that investors are looking for. So would an investor like to really get behind the scenes 
on a development, understand what it takes, have some training, some education, some support um, on what it takes to do property, gain that experience, make connections in a wonderful community and improve their due diligence. You know, not all investors want to become developers. Don't think that for a minute. Um, but I'm sure all investors want to be better incrementally and improving their due diligence. Um, likewise, developers, we, we we train a lot of developers and mentor a lot of developers, um, and they in turn maybe don't want to do developments all the time. Maybe they then want to become better investors and reinvest their capital, work a lot with SaaS trustees as well who wear multiple hats. Um, yeah, so we give we give our investors um, access to our Equa portal. They come on our developers program, uh, involved in the Equa Mastermind as well. So you could create something like that, which is inspirational. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.